Welcome to Small Business Quick Wins presented by Thrive. This podcast is exclusively designed for small business leaders like you. Prepare to get invaluable insights from every episode, equipped with actionable tips made for immediate implementation in your business. Tune in as we feature firsthand lessons from fellow small business owners and thought leaders. I'm your host, Jay Schwedelson. Over the last 25 years, I've grown multiple small businesses that have generated over $300 million in revenue. Along the way, I've learned pitfalls to avoid and quick wins that can transform your business immediately. I'm excited to share it all. So if you're ready to win on Main Street, let's dig into this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Small Business Quick Wins presented by Thrive, and today is going to be fun. So we have Giuseppe Grammatico here. He is known basically as the eHarmony of franchising. All right. He's going to take us through all the good and bad about picking a franchise if you want to be in that world. And we're going to learn a lot. So Giuseppe, welcome to Small Business Quick Wins. Jay, thanks for having me. I'm really, really excited for the show today. So before we get into some of the tips about the world of franchises, how to pick one, how to do one, should you do one? How did you become the franchise guy? Yeah. So we owned a family restaurant years ago, decided that wasn't the route. So I got into corporate America, worked for some of the uh, larger financial institutions out there and realized that wasn't the route. So I said, well, I like business ownership, but I don't like the hours of, of a restaurant. So I actually hooked, got hooked up with a franchise coach and bought a few franchises back in 07 in the building services space. And I said, wow, that coach really helped me in my time of need. How can I do the same? And he walked me through exactly how to get into coaching and advising. And fast forwards from 2007 till today, I've been doing it ever since. And it's fun. It's a blast helping people make this big decision. So let me ask you, I'm serious about this. Sometimes I'm having a bad day at work and I'll drive by a Taco Bell. And I'm like, you know what? Taco Bell doesn't have to worry. People are going to show up there. They're going to eat their tacos. I should just buy a Taco Bell because that's got to be a moneymaker, right? Like, can, is it is it that easy? You could just go to any brand if you have the cash, buy the franchise, and it's going to make you money? Or is it you got to pick the right one? And how do you pick the right one? Yeah, it's a big misconception, right? You see the line out the door. Number one, that doesn't mean they're even making money, right? It shows that there's some demand out there. But yeah, it, it's not a set it and forget it. As uh, Ron Pope, I remember when he used to sell his gadgets online, it's really finding the right match. And there's 4,000 franchise companies out there, 70 plus industries. So what I guide people on the exact process that helped me find my uh, perfect business was let's figure out what the ideal business looks like with all the noise to the side of the big names and what people are telling you to buy. But uh, we look at things like the number of employees. If you want to keep them to a minimum, just say under five or 10. Are they W-2 employees? Are they contractors? We look at, hey, do you want something home-based or do you prefer something brick and mortar? We look at things like the role. One of the most important aspects of finding a franchise that people overlook is they focus too much on the product or service, but they don't know what the heck they're doing on a daily basis. So if you focus on kind of what you're doing daily, whether that be sales or going to chamber of commerce events and things like that, that really helps you narrow down that universe of these 4,000 franchise companies to a more manageable number. And that's where we help people. We really help them focus and look at every angle and brick and mortar, what that looks like versus something home-based. And then once you have everything, you find the right franchise that meets the right criteria, that's going to give you, in my opinion, the biggest odds of, of success. 
it's going to be uh, consistent. It's going to be, I always say stable and that you're going to enjoy doing it for many uh, years to come. So let's say I'm like, I've always wanted to open up a pizza restaurant and I got all the recipes. I'm ready to work hard, uh, but I don't have a brand. Nobody knows uh, Jay's Pizza. Am I better off going and finding a franchise of a pizza chain or, or am I better off just doing it myself and trying to create my own brand? I mean, am I going to make more money one way or the other? Or am I asking even just the wrong question? Is that not even a consideration? It, it, it's a consideration. If you want to franchise it, keep in mind it's expensive and it's going to be several years of growth figuring out the system and a proof of concept. You want to have a couple of these restaurants open so that you can essentially find other people that can mimic the exact same system, whether you be in New Jersey or California or anywhere in between. So it is a, a lengthy, expensive process. But once that process is set and you start finding franchisees, it could be very profitable because now you have extensions, you have restaurants all over the country. Keeping in mind, your, your role is going to change. You're now a company that's setting up systems in place for, their, for each franchisee, regardless of what state they're in. To be successful. On the flip side, you can just own four or five and just be done with it. You own them 100% and you just deal, kind of stay within your region in the United States. So one is not better than the other. It's really kind of what your, your bandwidth is, what, your, what the next 10 years look like as far as the expansion. Some people like to keep it smaller, own it 100% and not have to worry about finding franchisees and training. They just own it, have a general manager in place. So it's really just different paths. Another option is licensing. You can license, you can sell your recipes. So there's different avenues depending on how much money and time you want to invest in, in growing that business. So if I bought a franchise, will I make money? I mean, I know that's a very simple question, but will I actually make money when it's all said and done if I buy one? You could. I mean, uh, what is a franchise? A franchise is a business. It's a business with a proven business model. So with any franchise, if you're uh, own a mosquito spraying mom and pop business or a mosquito spraying franchise, obviously you're going to have the advantage with the franchise in that, you know, you pay that franchise fee, they're going to get you up and running in just say 60 to 90 days, depending on when the equipment comes in. So there's definitely a speed to open the, the, the systems, the CRM, the marketing, is all in place for you. And it's not done for free, right? You're, you're paying a royalty for the support. You're paying marketing. So you can absolutely make money. I, I call it in my book, the unfair advantage in that you can get open much quicker than a, a traditional mom and pop where you're figuring out the best CRM and the best marketing companies. With a lot of the brands, they have in-house call centers, in-house staff that's doing all your marketing. So your leads are getting fed into a call center. So it's the speed to get open, start making money back on your initial investment. But uh, yeah, you can absolutely make money, but to be clear, and, and I'm the one that really likes to have that talk with everyone. It's a business with any business. There is a risk. Can you lose money? Absolutely. I think where you increase the odds or you find the franchise, that's the right fit. But where people I think forget, or maybe they don't realize is the due diligence phase. They talk to the franchise company, they get excited they buy the franchise, but they miss the validation. They don't talk to any franchisees. So if you're going to Dunkin' Donuts thinking about buying one, obviously, I mean, I, I would do this. I would talk to the owner and maybe a couple owners in my neighborhood. So what I advise everyone is that make sure to talk to people, talk to people that are running it full-time, talk to people that are running it part-time, 
what was your investment? Because the, the agreements give you kind of a, an average or a range. What kind of money did you make? And then start to, to kind of add those up. Okay, this one lost money. This one made, made a few bucks. I, I have an average here. What happens after year one, after year two? So there is a, a lengthy due diligence process, which I recommend to everyone so that you can get the info from the franchise, but you also get the info from the franchisees. But we've seen people with tremendous success in, in the brands. Where I've seen people fail is some people just, they see a, a Facebook ad, they go ahead and pursue it, and it wasn't really the right match for them. And even if it was the right match, they were just underfunded. They did, did not have the funds to get them past the first couple months. Because just like any business, there's going to be startup costs and things like that, learning things. So where I've seen people just undercapitalize and you do have to have three to six months living expense in that buffer to get you through that first year. Do you need to be an expert in the field of the franchise that you're looking at? I'm assuming that's an advantage, but I, I've always wanted to own a dry cleaner. I don't know anything about being a dry cleaner, but I always wanted to, and I know nothing about it. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to figure it out as I go along. Is that a recipe for failure or is that okay? So in franchising, you, you, the most part, I'm going to say 95% of the time, if not more, you do not need any experience in that industry. There are certain things where they prefer your, if you're a, a physician and things like that, but majority of the franchises don't have a requirement. And in some cases, the experience can be a, a negative factor, especially if you're so set in your ways of doing, operating the service or the product or whatever it may be, and you're not open to learning something new and following a new system. So what the franchise is actually looking for, and this is kind of the, the basically the secret in what we do is they're looking for the skill set, the transferable skill set. So I worked on Wall Street. I did sales that transferred into what I got into years ago, business, I'm sorry, building uh, services, working with property managers and, and contractors and things like that. So they're looking for that transferable skill set that can apply just about in every industry. And then they could teach anyone. I was a Wall Street guy that learned a, a real a brand new industry in less than 30 days. So uh, they have the means to train you, but the, the skill set is the most important aspect. That's interesting that you don't necessarily need to be an expert. I would have thought the answer would have been opposite. I always heard this, and, and dispel this myth for me. Sure. I've always heard that in order to make money in the world of franchises, you need to own more than one. That owning one ain't going to get you there. You're going to barely scrape by. That you need to own at more than one of the franchise. Is that a myth, or do you think there's any truth behind that? It's partial myth. We know plenty of people that own one territory, one location, and, and they're fine with it. They do extremely well, very low costs. For someone that's looking to build something bigger, someone that is maybe in a different situation, someone that's maybe keeping their job and they're running it semi-absentee, they're running it part-time. Yes. So now they have a, a general manager and now they're paying them a 50, 60, 70,000 plus salary plus bonus and commission. In those cases, you may want to look at maybe a second territory or second location to offset some of those expenses. So you do not need to purchase more than one. But what I tell everyone is fast forward two, three, five years in the world of franchising, and this will be super helpful, there are no rights of first refusal. So if you really love a brand and are thinking of expanding, you may want to buy that territory sooner than later to be expanded and developed later on. Because essentially what you're doing is locking in that future expansion, preventing someone else from picking up that territory. So not mandatory, but definitely recommend that you, you take a look at that path. Because when you do decide to grow and that territory may have sold, 
now you're kind of in a bind saying, okay, how do I grow now? If my, the territory around me sold, maybe I look at complementary brands, such as if I was doing mosquito spraying, uh, dealing with 500 homeowners. Now, maybe I'm offering a painting service or a roofing service, something that essentially allows you to sell to the same client base. That's interesting. Is there, is there a secret sauce number? Like, should you not get a franchise from like a franchise or right? Or E that only has 50 locations, let's say, versus some big, big brand that has a thousand. Is there some sort of magic number that you want to avoid buying a franchise of if it's too small because maybe they don't have the playbook or is that not a concern? There's going to be differences, right? So the established brands, like you mentioned, they have a thousand locations. They're obviously, they have a thousand people to potentially speak with. They've refined their system and that's all great, all positive. What's the issue? The issue is that there may not be any territory available, or you're going to have to drive two hours from where you live to, to get into an open territory or open location. So when you're dealing with an emerging brand, not a negative, right? Everyone has to start somewhere. So maybe they have 10, 20, 30 locations. By the way, less than 10% of brands ever hit 100 locations. So that's an interesting fact as well. So most uh, stay well under 100. So with the emerging brands, you're going to have less people to talk to, less data, less history. But on the flip side, the advantage is that you'll have almost first dibs on the area that you want to develop. So less people to talk to, less data. But with that being said, you got first dibs. So maybe that is your hometown that you want to tackle initially and, and then expand from there. So system franchises are always emerging. We just got back from New Orleans at our, our franchise conference. So they're always getting feedback from their franchisees. Where can we improve? What, what can we do better? We're going to do X, Y, and Z on the marketing to help increase lead flow. So there's definitely pros and cons to, a, to an emerging brand. But if you're patient with the brand and speak with the owners, which is the last phase of the due diligence and, and figure out kind of where they're steering the ship, what's to come, what new revenue streams are, are coming in, that could also be a great way to get into an early franchise and expand within that business. Wow. There's a lot there. Listen, so you've shared some great advice. I want to flip the script here sure. and talk about bad advice. So give us the worst advice that you've ever gotten or something that people should avoid. What is something that you've been told that it's just not true? What is the worst advice that Giuseppe has gotten? Yeah, this is controversial and I, and I have an explanation for it, but follow your passion. And with follow your passion, there needs to be some context there. And, and it took me years and years. And I've learned this, unfortunately, the hard way. Follow your passion. That is, it could be some really horrible advice. It, it definitely delayed my career. And so what, what does follow your passion mean? And that's the thing. It means something different to everyone. And the way I kind of figured out was back in my 20s in college, I was a big video gamer. So I went, I actually worked for a video game company to realize that was the quickest way to squash my passion and really haven't played video games since. It's probably been 20 years and just hated it, doing it day in, day out. It was my way of escape work and relax and do something I really enjoy. So after many years of talking to people and, and kind of sitting down and figuring out what does passion mean, my definition of passion has changed. And my definition of passion is my why. I kind of combine them. And my why is not working seven days a week. My why is spending as much time with my family and traveling. So what I did was I kind of, shifted what that passion piece meant. And my passion piece was working less, enjoying life more, traveling, spending time with family. What vehicle can get me there? And that's how I got into the building services space, an industry I never thought I would get into because that was the type of business that I can scale 
that was repeatable business that allowed me to put a general manager in place so that I didn't have to go into the office so that I can't so I, that I could become a soccer coach and coach my kids soccer teams that I could never miss the Girl Scout meeting or the, or the daddy daughter dance and that kind of thing. So the passion piece, some people link it to an, an, a specific interest. I like pizza, which I'm a big pizza junkie, and I'm going to open up a pizzeria or pizza franchise. How about something, a vehicle that allows you to not have to work or be in the office every day, allowing you to travel the world and experience the different cuisines and the different types of pizza. So that would be, that's one that I'm really passionate about talking about <laughs> because I lost many years in search of that passion to, to get me back to where I am today. So hopefully that was helpful and that was detailed yeah, enough. <laughs> it is. I know. I, I could go on and on about everybody. Do what you love. I'm like, great. Do what you love. But honestly, if that doesn't work out, do something that's going to right. give you the life that you want. That's uh, it. Because, I mean, that's it. What, you that's, know, because you're going to kill. You're going to yeah. kill. If you're, if you're a soccer fanatic and you buy a soccer franchise, well, a soccer franchise has nothing to do with the sport of soccer. A soccer franchise, right. you're in the retail space. Got a lot of turnover, nights and weekends, holidays, not a knock against anything in that space, but you're in retail. You're not in soccer. So right. go, go watch soccer when you get right. home. <laughs> right. So this has been great. So listen, everybody, I want you to connect with Giuseppe Gramatico. First of all, his website, ggthefranchiseguy.com, a ton of free resources there. If you're thinking about anything in the world of franchising, this is who you want to connect with. Giuseppe, where else can they find you? It's all there. So we just launched a new website. We have 25 FAQs. We have a little plug here, copy of my free book, Franchise Freedom. It's my exact blueprint that I personally use to find my first franchise. We have 170 plus podcasts covering not just everything about franchising, but we talk to accountants, attorneys, estate planning attorneys on how to set up your will and things like that. A great resource to check out. So if you're not certain, Check out the website. You could book a call right on top directly with me. We do a 20-minute chat. I save people hundreds of hours in research by helping them figure out if a franchise is even a good fit to begin with. And in many cases, it is not. And I can help them via my network of maybe making an intro to someone like a headhunter or an executive recruiter. So check out the website. Everything is there. We have a YouTube channel. You can look at the various playlists. We just started adding some shorts on there. Take a look. 60-second clips of just about any topic you can think of. Amazing. All right. Well, we're going to put all that information in the show notes. And Giuseppe, I want to thank you again. Everybody, thanks for being at Small Business Quick Wins presented by Thrive. See you soon. Thanks, Jay. Well, that was fun and great news. You got way more where that came from. Subscribe. Make sure you get the latest episodes each week for more actionable tips from today's top small business leaders. And hook us up with a five-star review if you've got at least one new idea you may consider using. Lastly, if you want to ensure you never miss a message from your customers again, check out thrive.com slash win to get your free account with Command Center today. <laughs>